from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased to have Hemant with me on the show. Hemant joining me from New York. Hemant, the way I like to do it is I let my guests introduce themselves because I believe, you know, this is the best way to do it. So the stage is yours. Thank you, Mehmet. Uh, everybody, uh, welcome to the show. I am excited to be here and uh, chat, you know, ideas, innovations, insights with Mehmet. Uh, my name is Hemant Barshley. I'm the CEO and founder of Digicom. Uh, Digicom is a uh, growth marketing agency where we predominantly work with uh, venture-backed startups and our goal is to help them grow through digital channels. Great. Thank you very much for being here, Hemant. Like my first natural question would be, what attracted you to the field of marketing and what attracted you also to work with startups daily? Sure. Uh, I think that's a, that's a great uh, question. What got me into marketing? So uh, this might sound funny, but watching YouTube videos, uh, maybe like 15, 16 years ago, I watched, uh, I was basically given a project and I built a website. Then I started running ads and the way I started learning about ads was through YouTube. Watched, uh, yeah. you know, I watched some content creators back then, uh, learned how to navigate the platforms and, uh, what I specifically love about marketing, because it is so, you know, it, there's, it is a very wide field, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different strategies and disciplines fall into marketing. Uh, I personally like the science of marketing, uh, the data. Um, and why I say that is again, with, you know, running those first, uh, AdWords campaigns, I learned how to one set everything up. Um, maybe it wasn't the most optimal way at the time, but then when I saw the data coming in, you know, the cost, the clicks, uh, and then eventually the lead and how those leads turn into conversions, that fascinated me. Uh, and then from there, it started to build on, you know, build on to the campaign that I was working on. And um, for AdWords and Google was so much cheaper at the time. And for like, a $500 budget, we had closed like three or four pretty big clients. And, um, you know, within four to five months that, that was like 500, 600 gain contracts. Um, so it was, it was pretty big. And, and this is for a, a fashion, uh, a fashion manufacturing company. So that's why, you know, those, those contracts are big. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love. I went to school for finance and uh, you know, I, I, I worked on Wall Street, uh, I worked at American Express and over time, you know, even though I worked in on, on Wall Street and at American Express, it was always with the focus on marketing. And over time, my goal was always to go out and 
uh, build my own business. And, uh, and for that, I needed to learn much more about startups. And eventually I ended up at a startup because I need, because my goal was to learn about startups. And so kind of took a risk and took a jump and, uh, got to this startup. Eventually I ended up building a team of 32 there. I worked with a lot of other startups. I I started learning about venture. I started learning about, uh, product development, uh, marketing and how all of it comes together. And then from there with my skill set, uh, kind of jump ship to build Digicom. That's great uh, story. I would say him and now, um, you mentioned a couple of things. Uh, about the Google AdWords and so on. So how nowadays, you know, the landscape have changed since, you know, when you started it and what are you seeing? I would say the better, or let's say, because you know, when you are in startup also, you need something fast as well. So what are you seeing or when are you seeing the fast, uh, I would say affordable channels for, uh, startups to start exploring nowadays? Sure. Uh, for clients that are typically starting off and depending on their product or service, uh, we like to recommend running on Google, Facebook, and then depending on the type, uh, you know, if it's a D2C company, maybe you want to get on Amazon, um, any, you know, any of those three platforms are great to start off. And the reason why is because you can trust the data. Uh, and when I say that is when you're running Facebook campaigns and you're focusing on conversions, uh, the Facebook algorithm does a really good job of finding real users that are on the platform to drive traffic for you to understand click-through rate, conversion rate, uh, CPMs, your cost to acquire. Um, and then similarly with Google, there's usually high intent, right? When someone's searching for even if it's like pizza near me, there's intent to purchase. So uh, the data from there, uh, it's it's usually very rich. Um, a, you know, there's a lot of bot traffic that goes on. But uh, what I what I've found um, through running different analysis is time on site, bounce rate, uh, you know, a uh, number of uh, pages visited from these sources tend to be much higher than other sources. So you can take this, the, the learnings from these platforms and then start to apply them to other ad platforms, uh, which maybe don't have the best traffic or don't have the best intent of traffic, but, uh, you can build a base strategy and then move that over into other platforms. That's, that's logical. I would say so, you know, let me be a little bit kind of the uh, devil advocate here. So, um. You know, sometimes I hear people talking, you know, that you should not be spending large budgets on these kinds of ads because, uh, you know, and you mentioned the data by there, which is important, but what some people are saying is that, yes, there's a lot of data, like, uh, you know, yeah, you can run the ad, but you end up with a lot of, you know, like kind of junk data, or let's say, uh, you know, like people who are maybe clicking on your ad, just, you know, but they don't have the intent that you talk about. So, so now how important, you know, in your opinion, first, like, is this true? And second thing, if it is true, what are some of the, um, you know, I would say the 
homework that they, they need to do in order to avoid being trapped in such situation? I mean, from uh, a startup team perspective. Sure. Uh, so one thing we do is we audit a lot of accounts. Uh, before we take on new business, we audit uh, our uh, the potential partner's account because we want to understand if uh, we are able to hit their goals because all of our partners have goals. The goal, especially in 2023, is profitability. It's not growth at all costs anymore. Um, you know, and like a few years ago, it was. Uh, and so we audit these accounts. And oftentimes, we will find that uh, the previous consultant or maybe agency or the partner that is in-house, they're running something called uh, traffic campaign. There are different types of algorithms that are leveraged in each of each of the platforms. There's traffic, which essentially is going out to find people that are most likely to click on an ad. And that doesn't mean click through to your landing page. That means click on an ad. So like the ad, leave a comment mm -hmm. to the profile page, uh, send a message, any of these other button clicks. Uh, the algorithm will focus on people to you know, essentially find these users. And so let's say there are a hundred users, right? At any given time, maybe there's 10, five or 15%, like say five to 15% of users, depending on the type of product you have that are in market to purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So link click campaign, we are just sending uh, ads to all 100 people. And mm -hmm. the issue with that is not all a hundred people are qualified to purchase. And so the important thing to do is when you're setting up these campaigns is you're setting up a uh, conversion campaign. And the conversion campaign, what, uh, what you're doing is you have to have your pixels set up. You know, you have to have your tracking set up, any API set up. Um, and then what these uh, ad platforms will start to do is, okay, of the 100 people, we know based on the signal intents, uh, that we've seen with uh, other users, say it's 15%, so 15 people are in market. Let's only serve ads to these 15 people that are mm -hmm. in. They're much more likely to purchase. Um, and the difference in performance, it's pretty drastic. Now, to go target the 15 people, it might, it's, it's going to cost more, right? Maybe we go from a dollar a click to $3 a click. However, on traffic campaigns, we might have seen over a two-week period, zero conversions, maybe one conversions. But now that we've shifted our focus to purchases um, or leads or, you know, whatever it is that uh, the, the KPI, the startup is going after, um, now that we've shifted towards that conversion campaign, we're seeing three purchases, four purchases. We're seeing revenue come back in. Um, and over time, you know, uh, our goal is to bring down that cost to acquire customers. So a lot of that is testing, understanding what messaging is working, what type of creative is working. Or do these users convert on Instagram? Do they convert on Facebook? Um, mm -hmm. Process of elimination, we, what we like to call trim out the fat. We remove all of the attributes that don't lead to conversion. Eventually, we'll end up with campaigns and understandings of these styles of creative work, maybe it's red background with the use of luxury and a picture of the product in the center, targeting on Instagram, uh, and then also a video works. 
Um, and that's how we start to, you know, leverage the data to yield more and more conversions at a cheaper cost. That's amazing. So I can understand from you, I meant like the basic for you is data. And I like, you know, this because I come from a technical background and nothing can, um, you know, of course you need to do your own testings first, but of course the data will validate later on. So I can see, you know, you, you put a lot of effort on, on analyzing the data, which is amazing. Now, by nature, startups, you know, whether they are B2B, B2C, you know, whatever space they are, even B2C, I would say, they aim for rapid growth, right? So, and they are kind of, they become more demanding. So how do you manage, you know, this scalability uh, between, you know, these startups coming for, you know, more results and maybe they have more products now or more services without, you know, compromising on, on the quality? How do you manage this? Sure. Uh, so towards the end of each month or beginning of the subsequent months, we're asking our partners this month, what is very important for you? Do you need growth? Do you need efficiency? Um, typically, in most circumstances, if you're going from a $6,000 budget to a $100,000 budget, you're going to get one or the other. It's very difficult to maintain an if, like, efficiency PA and then scale more than, you know, more than double. And in this instance, I'm just, I'm talking more than 10x, right? Um, so that is the first question. Uh, if we're looking for growth, we like to use something called a, a, like a stepping stair approach where we will uh, increase budgets. Uh, we will be testing new audience, maybe new distribution strategies, maybe new mm -hmm. ad platforms, right? And we will sacrifice efficiency because we need to learn at a larger scale. Um, and so we go from 6K, you know, or let's just use 10K to 20K. Okay, how much did CPA get, go up? 10%, 15%? Okay, uh, we go back to the client. Hey, we're at, you know, we're, we're 10, 15% higher. Uh, we were eliminating these specific uh, in, like insights that we found that are yielding higher CPAs. We can run at 20K. Um, and uh, get back to our, you know, efficiencies that we were at prior? Um, or do you need to continue scaling? Sometimes the clients are like, no, we need to continue scaling because we need to show much higher revenue. So, mm -hmm. you know, let's say we go from 20K all the way up to 80K. Mm -hmm. uh, and those CPAs went up another 15%, but the amount of revenue they're bringing in is, you know, much, much higher. Now we're at 80K, the client's like, okay, we've shown our investors we can grow. Uh, yes, CPAs have increased. We've lost some efficiencies. This month, can we bring efficiencies back to where they were? And so our goal, you know, let's say that original efficiency target is, uh, is $10 and our CPAs jumped up to 15 the first time. Um, and then they jumped up to like... Uh, say 14 the next time the goal is to get back to 10 we're able to come down to 11 um you know because as you continue to scale sometimes you hit a point of diminishing returns um you can drive a lot more volume but your your cost might just be higher at uh this higher run rate so we get back to 11 right so we're we're still 10 percent higher than the uh original um the original cpa target uh the thing is that 
uh, at $80,000, the client is now generating so much more revenue. Um, and based on specific ROAS targets, maybe we've uh, increased their AOV. So people are buying two products or three different products instead of one. And so ROAS, you know, while CPA is at 11, their ROAS might have gone from two to like 2.4, which means they're just making more money net-net. Um, and so a lot of the journey as we're scaling and ensuring we have quality, a lot of it is understanding what your client needs um, and talking to them as you're scaling through where uh, we're, uh, we have dashboards our clients are looking at to understand their business efficiency metrics where uh, we, as we're scaling, we're all, we're meeting with our client once, twice, you know, maybe even three times a week to go over some of the changes we're making. So it's very much like a lockstep. You know what we're doing and we know what you're doing. Um, growth together. Our clients aren't going to allow us to scale to the, you know, to the, to like 10 X or 15 X if they're not making money. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. Um, now, you know, but while you were talking and, you know, I see, um, you know, the energy, Heman, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's very obvious you, you love what you do, which I like, you know, when I see people passionate about it. Um, Maybe it's a little bit a, a strange question, but it just came to, it popped into my head. I'm sure, of course, like um, as an agency, you work with different clients and, you know, whenever you get a request, you need to understand. But what are the type of startups that actually, you know, you get so excited about and you say, yes, this is the kind of client that I want to work with? Sure. Uh, for me personally, uh, I love, Okay, this is a, this is gonna be a funny answer, but uh, clients that are in travel, I love to travel. They're um, mm -hmm. in food. Uh, I would say I'm a foodie. You know, have to make sure I'm going to the gym constantly, um, or or working out, so I'm not putting on pounds. But yes, definitely a foodie. Um, and then other clients uh, uh, that are solving for in like in act actual issue as in we're not just selling products to sell products um uh so like maybe a cos like cosmetic brands right that is helping uh children and i know this is funny when i say cosmetics and children but you know there might be uh, or there are you know young kids out there where they seeing like mom you know putting on makeup oh i want to wear makeup too uh and so how, like what type of brands are providing makeup kits that are healthy for kids, right? Um, so, and and there's a there's a partner we're working with that specifically focuses on you know moms and 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 uh, babies and uh, all of their products are paraben free. They're you know it's healthy. They're Sephora brand. Um, now that on the flip side, there are other partners where it's like. Uh, destigmatizing uh, menopause, right? Helping women through their menopause journey because it's not spoken about um, and up in creating a product line, which it's not just, it's not medication. You don't have to go to a doctor. There are products that are healthy that can help people. Like um, companies like that uh, are changing uh, our world, uh, you know, for what I, I, I think is the better because they're creating products that, are helping people over, you know, um, some 
like duplicated product that you can sell on Amazon. And it's just, it's more innovative. And those partners also excite me very much. That's, uh, you know, great to, to hear also as well. Um, Jack, also what I noticed Hemant, is also you have kind of passion for making sure, um, you know, the profitability of your customer, which is great. Now, from your own experience, like what are, I would say, some of the approaches that you can um, or hints you can share with, yep. you know, not only startups, like even maybe small businesses to keep a healthy, as we call it, profit and loss, P&L, yep. while maintaining this growth? Yeah. Um, okay. So... First, it starts with understanding your product margins. Uh, I think that there are a lot of startups out there that have a loose idea of product margins, right? So you're taking your MSRP price, you're adding in cost of goods, you're adding in uh, operational costs, you're adding in any other costs. Uh, if you're paying for shipping, what is shipping? Okay. After you deduct those costs, if there are no other costs, what is left over? That, that's, you know, that's your, your margin on the product. Um, typically for a lot of brands, if your product margin is, uh, or, or your cost of goods and operationals, your expenses are 50% or less of MSRP, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're selling a product for 10 bucks, your uh, all your costs baked in if it's five dollars or below. Um, at a two ROAS, you break even, and if it's below, uh, below five dollars, it's four dollars. At a two ROAS, you're making money. Um, and that is a very important thing to understand for a lot, uh, a lot of partners because. You might have a product where on the first purchase you break even, but you might have a high customer return rate where on future orders you're making money. The goal um, from the like from a digital point of view is at the very least to break even. Um, and that is very important. And uh, there are a lot of brands that might not know the math on, you know, if, if you're somebody that's leading any acquisition efforts, you should understand the math on, on your, on your products or understand what the overall uh, expense margins are so that you can create a target for the business to acquire a new customer. So that's the, I think the first uh, and most important part when you're running the ads, because say it costs you, uh, you know, same example, your MSRP is 10 bucks and uh, your costs are $8, so your margin's only two. On running ads uh, at a two row, as you're losing money on every, on every order. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so that's the first part. The second part is understanding your attribution modeling. Um, so what channels are you running, right? Uh, you're running Facebook, you're running Google. Great, you're scaling here. You're at a two row as, okay, Facebook and Google are driving all their traffic to your site. But what are we doing that is not on the paid side? Is email set up? Do we have an email capture? Are we sending email campaign? Are you using your organic social you know, accounts to build a following and send traffic back to your site? Um, you know, uh, do we have an SMS cam uh, 
uh, campaign in place. Uh, and there's a lot of things you can do offline that while new traffic is coming in from the paid sources, your offline sources can also generate a lot of revenue for you. And net net, you can look at the entire business operation and that's we, we do custom attribution modeling to see, okay, on platforms, we were at a two row as all of our new customers were breaking even for uh, any retargeting campaigns or email, SMS, organic that are coming in. Since we're not paying for, uh, you know, paying ad dollars to run media, those are also generating sales for us. Um, and now the business efficiency goes from just looking at the two, uh, the two ad platforms we're running on in this example at a two row as to the traffic that has been brought in in the last like 14 days is converting through the other channels. Your, your business ROAS goes from a two to maybe a three and a half to a four. And now you're, you're a profitable company. How do you increase conversions in both as, uh, as your budgets increase on the paid channels, we should see more conversions in the back end. And what are the goals in the back end? Like mm -hmm. if email drove 10 last month and we've increased our budget from 10,000 to 12,000, email should maybe do 15 this month. What? And if we're trailing behind at the halfway point of the month, we should be calling that out. Hey, email only drove four so far. Maybe we need more campaigns. Maybe we need to do more testing. And so what this, uh, this type of attribution modeling does for us, it, it allows us to goal set across the entire business. Uh, understand attribution overlap uh, across the entire business and scale an entire business where everyone's goals are aligned to us, you know, certain number or metric. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And I love this because you don't need to be, um, and this is a concept for me, you don't be uh, relying on one single or two sources only because for any reason, and I've, I've seen a lot of stories, people crying, um, you know, Facebook sometimes can, can ban you, uh, yes. mainly Facebook or, or Meta now. Um, yeah. So, so makes sense. And of course, like leveraging the organic growth also as well and the other campaigns. Um, now Kevin, like from, from your experience, um, what are, like, I would say, this is a generic question, you know, maybe you can on a high level, just tell me, um, the, the difference between a B2B service slash product versus a B2C, you know, from your, from your point of view, like, how, is this something, you know, you need to plan differently or the concepts stay the same? It's just the audience is different. Like what, what you can tell us about that? Sure. Uh, okay. So, you know, B2B is business to business, um, maybe business to business. It's a specific SaaS tool, um, that. A consumer, you know, a consumer family doesn't need to use, right? Um, versus uh, B2C can, you know, they're, they're sure there can also be SaaS uh, things to help, but maybe it's food or it's consumer packaged goods or it's pet products or it's uh, exercise or wellness. There's a lot of other categories. So um, when marketing for B2B, uh, our approach is quite different because generally speaking with B2B, you're, uh, and not in all cases, but you know, 
over uh, like generalization is that the ticket prices or the MSRP of the services and products that are offered will be much higher and it's usually a continuous type of service um, than something that is D2C. And again, not in all cases, but you know, just as a, as a general. Um, and while someone might at home might be looking for say like a new TV or a new sound system or maybe a new fridge, um, the person that is at work is looking to uh, purchase these B2B products or services that are solving issues for the business, right? And so uh, the goal for B2B is how to find users um, who generate leads for other sales teams. Um, with a qualified audience. And uh, just like you had mentioned, Emmett. Uh, and so the channels might not be exactly the same, right? We might, instead of using a paid Facebook strategy, it might make more sense to come up with a strategy to uh, geo-target users at a conference when you have a booth set up. So when people are on their phones, it's like, oh, come visit us at a booth. Um, or maybe the strategy is to use white papers where we can talk about the service and the product and how it's helped um, businesses in a specific vertical and what those returns are. Um, right. You know, over, hey, here's the product, here are the benefits, here's what, what you need, why you need them, uh, to just make a purchase right then and there. Completely makes sense. And I asked this question on purpose, so just to for the audience to know. Now, haven't you... You know, like you work with a lot of customers and I'm sure you see a lot of trends. Now, from technology perspective, if, if we want to focus because we are on the CTO show, what are like some of the latest trends you are seeing from, you know, the requests you are getting from, from you know, your clients and prospects? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, running on new platforms, TikTok, uh, of course, TikTok has seen unbelievable growth. It is a great platform. Um, the one thing for uh, the audience is that when you're running TikTok, we need a lot of creative. It's not like um, Facebook where you can build out an evergreen strategy. Uh, it's just the nature of TikTok. It's one creative, probably, you know, it can run you a week, it could run you a month, but then once that creative's done, we need to have other creatives uh, you know, in our back pocket to continue testing. So it's very important to test there. Um, and that's from, uh, I would say, a platform, you know, point of view, what's where money is shifting. Um, but then I think other things that are important is continuous automation, at least for us at Digicom. And when I say automation, I mean building out either databases or structures so that we can siphon through data and come to uh, come to our understanding of data or learning of the KPIs and where to push certain uh, campaigns and metrics uh, so that we can improve. And automating tasks like that helps improve time and allows our team to spend more time on strategy over pulling data and, and insights. They're, they're both important, but one saves us time so that we can focus on the strategy part. Um, and then of course, you know, AI has been the buzz of 2023. Um, and what's, uh, interesting to me is like, you know, AI has always existed. Like algorithms are a set of rules that are executed on, and this has existed for 
quite some time. Now AI is consumer facing, right? So uh, in marketing, how can you leverage ChatGPT, for example? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my take on it is use ChatGPT, throw in your ideas, get some ideas back. But if you're the expert and you're writing content, write content as the expert. Use it for your ideas, right? Um, because ChatGPT isn't the expert in uh, in feel it might be in medicine, it might be in wellness. It like you know uh, a lot of uh, business owners, and maybe you don't like the business owner or the founder doesn't have the time or the C level uh, team, but there can be somebody on your team that has the time to kind of create these content pieces, which you're getting just high level ideas, and then it's like, oh, this is a great idea here's what we know about it and here's the passion and in, in writing it and here's the information we can provide right um so i that's that's my general uh i guess advice in in terms of uh leveraging ai at the moment it'll change you know it'll get better but if you're the expert you know speak as the expert lead as the expert um and use the tools to come up with like ideas and uh for resourcing that's great um, you know, as we look a bit, you know, almost came to an end, um, and here I want to touch on, you know, like a little bit, some of the, you know, lessons or I would say, uh, wisdom that you can share with the audience who are maybe sitting today, they are about to, uh, start a business or maybe they are, you know, about to graduate from college and they want to start their journey. Uh, in in um, the professional life, so you, you've done you know like honestly, uh, it's a great job you know and uh, great journey I would say um, you know what you have been. Uh, so what are the advices? What you can tell fellow entrepreneurs today? Uh, okay, um, entrepreneurship is uh, it's not an easy road. It will be lonely at uh, a lot of points, and that's okay. Uh, my recommendation is test and learn. Like, you know, um, if you are going to go out there and you're like, Hey, I have a hypothesis. This is the product that will sell. Great. Start, you know, create the product, get feedback from people that are not just your friends and family first, get friends and family, but then go out and ask other people as you're building this product and the roadmap and what to do. And then look at your data. Um, if you have a hypothesis and you test the hypothesis to see if it works, if it doesn't work, it's okay. Keep going. Um, because you know, that's how a lot of, uh, a lot of technology is built. It's, uh, it's created for one reason, only for the founding team to figure out all users are using it for this other reason. And then, you know, there's a big pivot moment. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I would say keep going and, you know, if you're going to fail, fail fast, turn around, pivot, and then keep going. Great advice. I would say I also am a believer in just going out, try, um, I don't call it fail. I would say learn fast. Yes. Right. So, uh, Hamid, like, you know, this is a traditional thing that I started to do recently. Also, was there anything you wished that we have discussed or a certain question that you wished I have asked you and feel free to answer it or add your notes on that uh i think the questions that you asked me uh have been great and i hope that the answers i provided are 
able to help uh, entrepreneurs uh, and, you know, folks in their startup, uh, startup journey or, you know, uh, uh, folks graduating from college kind of understand some of the landscape. Uh, I think, you know, maybe, maybe, okay, uh, maybe I have one. So if sure. you're to, if you're trying to learn something and you feel that you don't, you might not necessarily have the answers uh, at the moment. That's okay. There are platforms like YouTube that got me started on uh, on this journey, and there's a lot of free content out there. Uh, yes, they're the reels that you're seeing, you know, on on uh, Instagram and and uh, videos you're seeing on TikTok. But really, if you're looking to get into a field and get a better better understanding of uh, uh, different fields or strategies or information. Just do a quick YouTube search and watch a couple of videos and, you know, see if things like uh, interest you or if there's strategies you can leverage. Great. Great advice. I'm, I'm, I believe, you know, YouTube is a huge library, I would say. Yeah, of course, you need to do the right search, find the content. Uh, but yeah, it's the biggest university in the world, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I think <laughs> You know, like um, a lot of things, even when, um, just to add to your point, man, um, when I wanted to start this podcasting journey, of course, like, oh, I come from technical background. I know, you know, the uh, behind the scenes that they say from technical perspective, right? What I need to have. But of course, you know, I needed to see how I can do, and I'm still learning, by the way, how I can do better audio, how I can do better video, how I can, you know, how I can enhance even my speaking, I would say, uh, skill. So it's all like, you know, it's available on YouTube, actually, if you search for it. Or like, for example, if you want to learn any, anything, as you said, like any topic, YouTube is a very good place to start. And of course, you can then later, if you want to advance, reach out to some cohort or, uh, you know, something like uh, Udemy and these kinds of platforms. So I 100% agree with you. And funny enough, because you just mentioned about reels and TikToks, one of the things that I do, I share, you know, you know, some teasers of the podcast there. And people, they said, yeah, but people there, they are not, you know, for such kind of, you know, serious. I said, okay, that's okay. But for me, if even one person, you know, let's say, of course, like I will be doing the same for this episode. And if one person like, you know, I'm sharing, and I don't share myself speaking, I share my guest speaking. So if someone sees him and, you know, talking about something and he get benefit out of it, for me, this is, I'm, I'm happy. And I'm not after, you know, like uh, getting thousands of likes and, you know, like it just for me, if I can inspire one guy, you know, one, yeah. one person, that's yeah. more than enough for me. Like I don't, I, I fulfilled my mission. Of course, I wish to do more, but yeah, to your point, uh, it's, it's about, you know, being there, generating the content and trying to give the, the good content. Uh, yeah. Hamid, like I really enjoyed, you know, the discussion today. Um, I, I, I love the energy. I can, you know, maybe we need to do, it, but I need to, on another podcast, not this one, because I am thinking about something not techy, because you mentioned traveling and food and you know this stuff. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if we, if I decide to do a, another podcast around, you know, such lifestyle. You would be my first guest, I would say. So <laughs> I would love to be on there. Absolutely yeah. love to be on there. <laughs> I'm already doing baby this one. So I need to figure out it <laughs> because I honestly, I need to do something also about fun and yes. 
fun, but with purpose, you know, like uh, yeah. it's just an idea. And, you know, the audience are maybe hearing this for the first time. So, guys, if you see me one day announcing another podcast, don't be surprised. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Hammond, very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate the time, as I said. And for the audience, they know by the time now that, guys, keep the feedback coming. And, you know, don't only send compliments. Of course, I love your compliments. Send me ideas how we can enhance things. Send me ideas of, you know, maybe some people you want me to reach out and you think that I should speak to them. Or if yourself, you have a great idea, you have a, you are a startup founder, or maybe, you know, like you have an experience and it doesn't have to be really related to tech. It, it's enough that we can inspire more people, more entrepreneurs. That's fine with me. Like uh, I'm having today Hemant with me and he's in the more digital marketing space. And, you know, we, we, you can be from any field. Like, it's not closed, uh, um, I would say, for me. Reach out. Like I would love to talk to you. I would love to have this conversation uh, and try to together inspire others. And, you know, as I usual, I say, thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for a new episode very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hit that subscribe button, share the show with your tech-savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.